award-winning Tennessee Wildcast is on the air with the latest on hunting, fishing, boating, wildlife watching, and all things outdoors. Make welcome your host, drummer and outdoor expert novice, Jason Harmon. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for watching, for listening. we got a great show lined up for you today, and we'll jump into that in just a minute. Don King is helping me co-host. Yes, sir. It doesn't get any wilder than this show is going to be. <laughs> I, I tell you, we're going international today. Yeah, we are. Something special for you. Hey, and, and before we get started, I just want to do a little shout out to WZYX in Cowan, Tennessee. They were our first, our flagship station to run the show, to run Wildcast on the radio. Yeah. Before, even before Wildcast Extra came in to be. But uh, anyway, we appreciate them in the Cowan area. And, and uh, all the listeners down there. So we say it a lot. We appreciate our radio stations. They do a lot for us to get the get they this sure message do. out there. Yep. Uh, we appreciate folks who tune us in on the podcasting apps for watching on YouTube and Facebook, and uh, just keep following us. And yeah, uh, we'll keep uh, spread the word, spreading the word, and getting you some good information out there. Uh, one thing I do want to mention is our hats. Uh, the Wildcast hats are in the e store now. Shop.goutdoorstennessee.com. You can purchase a Wildcast hat if you're a fan, or you can purchase a one of our Tennessee Wildlife hats. Uh, there's many to choose from. Also, stickers and water bottles and yeah. fun, all kinds of fun stuff there. Good so stuff. Go check that out. And uh, like I said, the shop.goutdoorstennessee.com. And then, you know, looking for events, goutdoorstennessee.com. Buy your license, look for events, things like that. There so. you go. Always uh, fun stuff there. Uh, well, today we're going to be talking about WIDA, Wildlife Investigators Training Alliance, and we have a special guest, and she's no stranger to Wildcast. That's right. Uh, or to the studio here. She's been with us uh, a few times, Miss Stephanie Derno Carnes, uh, but she is now in a new role, and we're going to learn about that today. Stephanie, we're glad you're here. Hey, thank you so much. I'm happy to be back. Yeah, yeah. A little, a little bittersweet, I won't lie. <laughs> I've been messing it around here. Yeah, Stephanie just uh, just uh, decided to leave the agency and, and do something she loves full-time uh, in another capacity. A lifelong gonna, dream, yeah. I'm learning, yeah. We're yeah. going to learn about that today. So fill folks in on, on what's going on. Um, so I was working with TWRA, I was, and I loved working for the agency. I was here as the assistant chief of the game species section, and I loved it. I love the agency, but... Um, I finally had the opportunity to, again, pursue a lifelong dream, and my husband and I started a nonprofit back in 2018 called Wildlife Investigators Training Alliance, or WIDA, uh-huh. and um, we train African game rangers, prosecutors, investigators, and judges how to um, combat illegal wildlife trafficking, and we do most of our work in Africa, but we also train um, rangers and officers here in the U.S., and North America. Wow. Yeah. We are so blessed and fortunate to be to have this opportunity. Yeah, that's awesome. Did, have you worked in Africa before? Did, were your previous experiences there, or, or was your previous experience just in wildlife here in the States? So I actually, my first real job as a wildlife biologist um, was in uh, Costa Rica. Okay. I had the opportunity when I was oh, in when I was in college to work on a research project um, studying uh, white-lipped peccaries and jaguars in southwestern Costa Rica. So wow. that's where I started out. <laughs> um, and then I worked in Colorado 
for the Colorado Division of Wildlife slash Colorado Parks and Wildlife mm-hmm. um, for almost 20 years before I moved here to Tennessee. And um, my husband has been, I was an officer in Colorado and a wildlife biologist. And then my husband has been um, working here for TWRA for, oh, 26 <laughs> years, I yeah, think it uh, is now. Uh-huh. So he's also an experienced wildlife guy. He's been an investigator for the agency um, that whole time. So. Cool. Yeah, we have a lot of experience. Um, Most of it has been in North America, um, but the connections across the world with wildlife trafficking have created a network um, that serves us well. So, and and you said this has been a passion of yours for your whole life, even like back to age six. I think you said. <laughs> yeah, actually, at five years old, I decided I wanted to be Jane Goodall, and um, <laughs> I've been working at it. It's taken me a few years. Um, I'm still not Jane Goodall, but she has been my mentor and my inspiration my entire life. So, um, it's good to set your goals high. I'll never be quite as amazing as Dr. Jane, but gotten to see some neat stuff yeah that's awesome well uh we've touched on it just a little bit but kind of explain about uh what we day is and what what would y'all do for for those guys and gals over in africa sure so the we do three different um kind of directions we're trying to build capacity in africa to fight illegal wildlife trafficking so we do equipment donations where we we donate supplies and equipment to rangers and field staff and investigators. And then we also um, provide funding and training to those um, game rangers, investigators, and prosecutors and judges in how to combat illegal wildlife trafficking. So we're looking to build capacity through training, shared uh-huh. knowledge, and networking, and then also through equipment donations. And, and it's no... Uh no secret that um, that this is an issue. I mean, wildlife traf- uh, trafficking is is a big issue. It is a huge issue. It's the fourth largest illicit um, network in the world behind human trafficking, arms smuggling, and narcotics distribution. And so it's the fourth largest industry in the world, illegal industry. Wow. So it's um, it's a huge industry, but it also has incredibly broad impacts. We all know with COVID, um, the impacts of the potential for disease spread from wildlife to humans, that's a result of the illegal wildlife trade. But there's cultural implications to the source countries. There are um, degeneration of cultural heritage, the loss of biodiversity, and um, all of these impact not only the source countries like Africa, Mm -hmm. but also those transit countries where they're moving the animals through, and also the destination countries. So um, it's it's a massive, it's a global problem. And and, uh, there's many species that are affected by this i know you've you've gave me a few notes here on some of the the animals that are affected some of the main ones but talk a little bit about what uh what's happening to elephants and rhinos and things like that sure so we want to distinguish between two different things there's um there is some sustainable and legal wildlife trade Mm -hmm. right here in the u.s um we have legal harvest We have sustainable management, and some of that is traded. There's some legal ways that you can buy and sell um, wildlife parts generally. Um, And and that is true also in other countries. 
So what we're talking about really is the illegal wildlife trade and unsustainable. So you have a lot of different markets. You have um, the decorative market for things like ivory or spotted cat skins um, or elephants' footstools. Hmm. Um, you also have um, the bushmeat trade where um, people in rural areas kill wildlife for consumption. Mm-hmm. But distinct from that, um, bushmeat, um, so exotic species of animals, are an Epicurean adventure in the more developed countries. So animals are even being killed for their meat just because it's... it's, um, Something different. Exactly. Not because they're hungry, but... Exactly. Something that's, that's cool. A yeah. new adventure, something mm-hmm. to show your status. Um, and, and that's just tragic. Shark fin soup um, mm. is just where animals are killed just for a single part or piece that um, is just a novelty. Mm. So those are huge. Um, the pet trade, animals come from the wild to be traded in you know more developed or more um, affluent countries. Um, birds from Central and South America, reptiles from Australia, Africa, the Americas, they're all used in the pet trade. Small animals like a genet, um, which is a cute little terribly feisty animal um, <laughs> <laughs> that kind of looks like a cat from Africa. I actually um, had a case with that um, many years ago where someone had um, a a genet that they kept as a pet and they called it my little stinky and it was just a terrible pet it was really it was mean it it was vicious and it stunk um but a wild animal it's a wild (laughs) animal yeah they had whole rooms in their house that were blocked off so you know the pet trade it has all these great ideas and really they're wild animals sure so um so the the pet trade is a real component and then um Many um, animals are trafficked in uh, the practice of traditional Chinese medicine, which is an ancient medicinal practice that uses um, many different components, but um, some of those from wildlife that are included um, are um, rhino horn, pangolin scales, um, which is the the pangolin is the single most trafficked mammal in the world. also, bear galls, bear gallbladders. From right um, here in Tennessee. Even. Exactly. Right here in Tennessee, those um, bear species across the world are killed and, and farmed hmm. for their gallbladders um, to be used in traditional Chinese medicine. Which there's no evidence that even some of these, maybe some of these, but not all of these even work, right? Yeah, there's been a lot of scientific research into traditional Chinese medicinal practices and components. And um, to my knowledge, I I don't know of a single practice or component that has has shown to be as effective as modern medicine. Uh So there may, yeah. So modern medicine is is a good thing to rely on, right? (laughs) Rather than ground up rhino horn. Well, we've touched on a little bit of why, but and even. Even after some of these folks uh, that do this are are taken in to custody or however, whatever you, however you phrase that, um, they still take the risk. You mentioned thirty years of of IHL. Explain what IHL is. So um, many countries recently, um, many of the countries where we work, especially in southern and eastern Africa, have been strengthening their laws and penalties for illegal wildlife trafficking. And for instance, in Malawi. Um, 
the penalty for killing an elephant is 30 years IHL. What's IHL? Indentured hard labor. So mm. the governments and the people in these source countries recognize the value, the importance yeah. of these existing live animals um, and are really increasing the penalties and their capacity to fight wildlife trafficking. So that's the good news. Yeah. That's the good news. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, that's awesome news. That's great news. But then there are some still situations where corruption is involved and there's there's issues there too, right? Yeah, unfortunately. Um, certainly the U.S. and the Americas are not immune to this. Um, <laughs> but corruption is a huge problem um, in the illegal wildlife trade. And, you know, a lot of that is the perception that it's sort of a victimless crime and therefore less important. Mm. And so, especially people who aren't passionate uh-huh. about wildlife and conservation and just the inherent intrinsic value of wildlife and our natural resources, they see it as a victimless crime and are more willing to either look the other way or take some money in order to ignore wildlife crime. Speaking of passionate the, the recruits and the folks that you train, the rangers, mm-hmm. where do they come from? So most of the rangers, um, like our game wardens here, uh-huh. those are the field folks. Those are the guys that are, and gals, because um, there's lots of women rangers there. Um, they are the front line out on the ground fighting the poachers in the field. And most of them come from local villages. Um, some have um, a wildlife degree. Um, Some may just have um, sort of our equivalent of a high school education, but they're in the job because they love their wildlife, because it's their home. Mm -hmm. It's their, um, it's their, um, (laughs) I hate it when I don't have the right words. (laughs) We know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, this is what happens when I try and talk about wildlife, because obviously (laughs) I don't. passion show. Yeah, the passion, and I, I. I'm at a loss for words, but they care so much about it um, that they're out on the ground fighting this crime and they faced enormous odds. So we were talking about corruption and I'm just going to go back to that um, just real quick. The UN, um, when documenting wildlife corruption crimes, has shown that only about 7% or less of of corruption in wildlife crime is from the rangers the majority of the corruption is actually coming at higher levels Mm. or from folks who are actually unaffiliated with um, those who should be protecting the wildlife Uh so it's more customs officials or um, non-wildlife law enforcement kind of thing so that's reassuring um, because those rangers face extraordinary odds they are um, poorly equipped because uh-huh. many of the government agencies are not well funded. Um, and the the poachers are backed by multinational billion dollar criminal syndicates, right. which mm. is just extraordinary. They don't have the same equipment, the supplies and the training mm-hmm. to be battling these people who are you know, supporting an industry that's the fourth largest criminal industry in the world. Right. So these folks are coming from the villages and um, they just love their wildlife so much that they're willing, they're risking their lives. Um, and that's another place where you guys are able to help, right? With mm-hmm. the helping um, 
with some of the equipment needs that they have. Absolutely. So many of the rangers, um, like I said, are ill-equipped because of poor government funding. And so one thing that WIDA does is we organize equipment donations, um, things like boots, um, uniform supplies, Mm -hmm. um, spotting scopes, GPS. GPSs, um, binoculars, those kind of things, things that are used for either patrol or investigation, obviously not firearms or um, any kind of um, anything that could be used in combat or that kind of Uh thing. Um, But so we work with agencies across the country. um, Well, not even just across the country, <laughs> North America again. Yeah. So we've um, we've received equipment donations from Canada, Oregon State Police, um, Arizona Game and Fish, um, Tennessee State University, and the University of Tennessee, and then in particular. Um, the good folks of Tennessee Wildlife Resources right. Agency. Yeah, right. That TWRA. Um, officers and um, biologists have been some of the biggest supporters. So they donate the used equipment that we can no longer use, whether uh-huh. it's worn out or... Or slightly used. Slightly in a, used. Yeah. Yeah. Usable yet. Though. Usable. Outgrown. <laughs> outgrown. <laughs> that might have happened to me once or twice. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. Um, so items that can't be used um, but do still have some useful life sure. in them um, are donated. And we do repairs or you know simple fixes that can make them usable and extend their life. And so we bring boots and GPSs, binoculars, that kind of thing. We've donated, um, well, not we. WIDA has organized um, and helped facilitate the donation mm. of over $300,000 worth wow. of equipment and supplies for African rangers. Wow. And yeah. we are fortunate. So TWRA folks have been a huge donation source for those that equipment. But we've been lucky. We partner with another nonprofit um, here in North America that also operates in Africa. It's called the Attorney General Alliance Africa. And they support the rule of law across the world. And they um, are originally comprised of attorneys general across the U.S., but they do trainings and workshops and networking opportunities for um, field law enforcement, prosecutors, and and judges. And so they have um, financially supported a lot of these donations. The shipping is incredibly expensive to get it over there. Oh, I bet. And so um, the funding for that is really critical. So once we have the equipment, even if um, we don't pay for that, the shipping just to get it there is uh-huh. is challenging. Packaging, so, I can only imagine. Yeah, yeah. So the logistics there are a trick. Well, a couple of things uh, to kind of back up maybe a little bit. Uh, boots are a big deal. You talked about how these patrols are patrolling not a herd of rhino, but what? <laughs> it's called a crash of rhino. A crash of rhino. I love it. That that they're on patrol 24 7 uh and then and the fact that just a simple a good pair of boots not a a rubber boot and things that's a it's a huge deal for them absolutely so um like you were talking about this crash of rhinos um is and many of the rhinos across the continent um well across the world are protected 24 7 by government rangers Mm -hmm. and many times these folks don't have access to good boots so they're on their feet all day long. Sometimes they're on patrol for two weeks at a time. And um, many of them have, say, um, used rubber boots that are, you know, up to your 
up to your calf in 100 degree heat. Mm. Um, and we, we teach a variety of classes um, and do different workshops, but we were training some rangers in first aid um, earlier this year, and one of the rangers was um, doing CPR, practicing CPR and a mannequin. And it, as he was kneeling down, you could see that his, the sole of his boot was only attached at the toe and the heel, and there was airspace between oh, wow. across the sole of his foot. So those are the kind of people that are going to benefit from the equipment donations that uh -huh. we arrange. So it, it, it will enable him to walk further and more safely to protect the wildlife that we all love. Right. Well, you shared this, this brochure with me. There's a lot of information in it, but outside of just the donations and things, what kind of training can you talk a little bit more more specific about some of the training opportunities? Uh, you mentioned a goat earlier. I don't know if you want to talk about that or not. But. <laughs> I will. Um, so we try and teach at all levels um, of investigation and pre so prevention, investigation, um, detection of wildlife crime. Um, and when I say Wildlife Investigators Training Alliance, we are an alliance of investigators, um, patrol wildlife officers um, and prosecutors who have worked in wildlife law enforcement. Um, and the alliance, these instructors come from North America and Africa, and they bring their expertise in the entire spectrum of ways that we can detect and deter wildlife crime. So we teach courses in um, crime scene management, evidence handling, um, surveillance, digital forensics, and um, my favorite is uh, time of death estimation. Mm -hmm. And so they can tr estimate when an animal died to then base some of their investigations on that time frame. And like you said, there is a goat involved. We actually um, do kill a goat for that course. And the participants are able to um, monitor and document the changes in the body of the animal and the insect colonization across the week time frame of that course. And so mm. it gives them the opportunity. Obviously, it um, there's some translational challenges um, from <laughs> yeah. a goat. Um, but we really try and work that course um, with observational and qualitative um, measurements because many times if they're on patrol for two weeks they aren't carrying a, um, a bunch of equipment right they um, don't have access to that sort of thing and so we try to do courses like that um, with just what they have available it's kind of an old it's almost an old school type of investigating investigation it's like like I said they don't have the tools they don't have the knowledge sometimes to use these certain tools and that's exactly it I think it's pretty cool that that you're able to train them in that way kind of boil it down to the basics you yeah. know what what using what they have to work with to to learn and, and to document all these things that's great yeah absolutely that's been that's one way we approach it but we also do I was talking about the, some of the other workshops and classes that we do um, digital forensics mm. surveillance when we do courses like that that are um, more advanced and um, require equipment we bring that equipment with us and we train the investigators or the officers in its use, and then we leave it with them. So um, we bring some pretty sophisticated mm. surveillance devices um, and um, 
and spotting scopes, you know, optics mm-hmm. for right. all the different types of investigations, digital forensic devices, that kind of thing. Those are very, very expensive, um, but they really don't have access to them in many cases. So we bring them over. We bring them over. Um, we teach the class in how to use them. We do practical scenarios where they're out in the streets of whatever capital city we're we're in for the week, and they do. They actually practice with the equipment, hands-on, completely immersive, mm-hmm. reality-based, and then we we leave them with it. So wow, yeah, it's we're actually leaving tomorrow um, to do a course. We'll be gone for the next three weeks, so we'll be te- teaching an imba- advanced <laughs> wildlife investigative techniques in um, Zambia with Zambia DMPW. And wow. um, we're fortunate our our partner, um, AGA Africa, the Attorney General Alliance Africa, is helping us with that course as well. That's so, great. Yeah, they're a great partner. They have really helped us out, and our building capacity is a team effort for sure. <laughs> so we're lucky to have them as partners. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I, before we run out of time, I want to make sure that folks know how to, to donate and how to help. I have that in bold letters here, how to help. So uh, I guess gear, uh, monetary donations, what, what can they do and how do they get it to you? So that's great. Yeah. Um, we are we are accepting donations of field equipment, um, and it needs to be in good, serviceable condition. Um, but binoculars, spotting scopes, GPSs, um, that kind of stuff is incredibly valuable. Mm-hmm. Boots, um, good quality footwear, mm-hmm. still in usable condition. Um, and uniform supplies, things that are that can be used on patrol in the bush, that kind of thing. Um, even backpacks, um, uh, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, we are accepting donations. Also, as as I mentioned earlier, the shipping costs are extraordinary, right? And the cost of that really advanced technology is also expensive. So monetary donations are always appreciated. Yes, you can find our website at wedatrain.org. And there's information on how to contact us on that. But you can also email info at wedatrain.org. So that's just info at wedatrain.org. W-I-T-A. Yep. W-I-T-A. And so I-N-F-O at W-I-T-A-T-R-A-I-N.org. There you go. Yep. Um, and we we would love some volunteers. Um, there's not we don't need help with actually doing the instruction. Everybody says I would love to help. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we are very very fortunate that with our combined 50 years of working in wildlife law enforcement, we have a suite of friends who are um, long-term colleagues, um, experienced investigators um, who help us out. So, um, but. We can use a lot of help. So just email us at info at wedatrain.org. Awesome. awesome. There are some things that could be done with helping with shipping for this equipment, right? Yes. And prepping the equipment and the, and the uniforms and that kind of thing before. So Absolutely. And and I bet there's some on-the-job training for the volunteers that step up too, right? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Good deal. Well, thank I- you so much for this opportunity, and thank you to TWRA for letting us come in. What a great agency. Definitely. definitely. Thanks you're, for all you've meant to mm-hmm. our agency, too. Yeah, you're going to be missed, for sure. <laughs> yep. Uh, but I know you're, you're doing good work, and it, I'm excited that you get to pursue your passion and, and uh, 
do it with your best friend and uh, it's awesome so remember wedatrain.org and info at wedatrain.org org that's it yep. yeah <laughs> info at wedatrain.org yep. Todd put that on the screen so people can see that <laughs> uh, this has been great thank you for this information thank you for what you do and uh, good luck to you thank you thanks for getting the word out yeah you bet Don, thank you. Sure. And this is Tennessee Wildcast. Keep coming back, keep watching, keep listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Stay connected with TWRA by visiting our website at tnwildlife.org. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hey, it's all about Tennessee wildlife. It's what we do. Tennessee Wildcast will be on the air again next week. We'll see you then.